The intensity has been turned up, but the battle is only beginning. Every game, every period, every shift means that much more. All that's missing is you. It's time to paint the Lone Star State victory green with your Dallas Stars. Be here to experience the excitement as the Stars make their push for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Get your tickets now at DallasStars.com. One state, one team, Texas hockey. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hey, hi. Oh, not sure how we work Brutus and Julius Caesar into Podman Rush 20. It's our 20th episode. But Tuesday was the Ides of March. It was also the Stars' third loss in a row. Not fatal like the killing of Caesar. Just a deepening drama of Get this one, March Madness, as the boys march east and continue their pursuit of a playoff spot. I know what you're all screaming right now. All right, Razor, enough of the flowery hooey and March metaphors. I will stop right now and introduce uh, from another country, the great Mike Heika. You were there at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto last night. You're embedded with the club right now. Uh, I'm fresh out of bed here in Dallas. So what's your sense of things after back-to-back-to-back losses for the first time in two months? Um, The Stars need to do a better job of realizing opportunities and seizing them. Uh, I think both the Rangers and the uh, Maple Leafs were teams that were ripe to be plucked. And uh, Dallas didn't, you know, they, they didn't take over the game when they had, I thought they had great opportunities to do it. And at this, you know, we hear all the time and they did a great job and, and, you know, during their, whatever it was, a 14, four and one run um, of doing just that of, of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, rising to the occasion. And they just look flat these last Mm -hmm. two games. And you're just like, how? I mean, like, and and then the other thing is, you, you know, you then you, of course, scroll the screen at the end of the night and you're like, oh my gosh, they're out of the playoffs. And there's games played and points percentage and all that kind of stuff, but they're right there on that flipping bubble again, like they seem to be every March. And many of these marches have not turned out well for the Dallas Stars. And it's just, I guess I walked out of there just frustrated that, you know, they could have taken advantage and they didn't. Well, that that was a strong diatribe. You leaned in there this morning in Montreal. At, uh, two, at two, Razor. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, formidable. Tabernacle. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I echoed your sentiments on the last couple of games. I mean, they had a, a sort of struggling Shesterkin in net with the Rangers on home ice. Uh, and they did score four. Look... Jake's not going to play phenomenal every game, and he didn't have a very good game, and the timing of it was not good, and they lose. Uh, And then they go into Toronto, and they get the biggest break on planet Earth, you would think, with the leading goal scorer in the NHL unavailable because he's suspended. And, you know, I, I was thinking of it heading into the game. I'm like, okay, the Stars are starting to look like they miss Miro. And at the same time, you're like, okay, well, they don't have a 45 goal scorer on their side. And maybe the maybe maybe the best player in the league this year, and it's kind of a, a wash then, yeah. right? So the others have to 
have to jump in and and pick up and and move forward and and they didn't. They, they I was I was more disappointed. I th- I thought they were really shoddy with their checking in front of Jake against the Rangers. And then they did and played the way they did last night in Toronto against the Leafs and you know, those are two pretty good offensive teams and the Stars are a very good defensive team when they are on their game and they obviously just weren't on their on their game at all and and man they some guys look tired some guys just are not playing well and uh it, the timing of it is not great but at the same time it's an 82 game schedule right mike like yep. people have to i guess it's the beauty of sports and fandom and that that we all freak out when they string together a few losses and then we jubilize whenever they win three or four in a row. And that's what this team is very good at. You know, lose five, win seven, lose four, win three. They've, they've gone on some pretty wild little, little skirmish swings like that. Um, And that, it just seems like that's, that's where they find themselves as they go into Montreal in a very winnable game. You would think uh, in the middle of this four-game road trip. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, I, I mean, I don't, I hate to ever just say this team isn't this or that, but, but I mean, yeah, you should. I don't want to say favored. Like if the bookies are doing this, yeah, I think the Stars should be picked to beat Montreal. I think they should have been picked to beat Toronto. You could make the argument they should be picked to beat the Islanders. So as difficult as it is to win on the road, these are points to be picked. Are you gambling? It, are you gambling now, Mike? <laughs> I am. I'm up in Canada. It's legal up here. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. Uh. Uh, but you know, you, you just look and, and you know, it's funny because, you know, we talk about, oh, you win four, you'd lose four, whatever. Well, St. Louis can do that because they built a cushion. Minnesota can do that because they've built a cushion. The Stars, you lose three in a row and all of a sudden it it is a little bit of a time to panic. And you would hope yeah. Yeah. that the players would see that. And, and they understand. I mean, they can't live the way that fans live. I get it. Um, but but you also would like to see some motivation to say, you know, we can't do this. We can't lose in Montreal on Thursday. Mm-hmm. We need to win this game. And they might. They might just come out and, and play their best game of the they, year. They might. And and uh, it would not shock us or probably anybody that follows this team if if they put themselves in a, in a real peril in the overall, like they do at times within games, and then they get going. <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. Because like, that's kind of what, what they – have shown an awful lot of is, you know, even, even last night that I thought they started playing a little bit better for a while after they went down two to nothing. And that, yeah. that is, you can't live that way, man. That that's, that's the wrong way. And yet in long stretches, they've been the opposite of that where they've come out and suckered teams in the face, punched right straight through their skulls early. That might be a little more violent than it need be, it is but hockey. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, they miss Miro. There's no question. Others are trying to fill the void, but uh, it's it's starting to look like they miss Miro uh, in in the last few games. So, look that that's that's the decor, and I, I the forward group for me right now is is the most problematic because the top line, Rope 
they're not playing as dominant as they were. And then that's understandable. I mean, they, they have backpacked this team all season and last season. Uh, so that's them. The second line, the, the lack of consistent impact and offense is just perpetual. Now it feels like they, they just, even, even when they have a good game or a couple good games or produce within a game, it just doesn't seem like it's sustainable. So that that's number two. The third line at times feel it just feels like they play too much. They 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 have roles. It would be better if they were protecting leads. That's kind of what you're looking for with with that trio, whatever concoction of it is. Um, and then the fourth line is just undefined. It's like a loose sock bin on the stars fourth line they're just it's like what what okay this and that and that and hopefully we find something underneath the dryer and we can smash it back together and get a line out of it that's that's right now as i look at the forward group there have been times when it doesn't look like that but after these last uh, you know two or three games that's how i feel about the four lines (laughs) all right do you want me to put a theory forward yes i do (laughs) <laughs> I do. And this will make the fans unhappy. Um, I'm almost to the point where just put uh, the the third line together, you know, stop all the juggling with the fourth line and let them play the second most minutes. I mean, that's what the coaching staff wants to do, it seems like. Um, it would give Rope maybe a little bit of breathing room to not have to check as much as he's doing. Um, and then I think you saw last night that Ben and Sagan – part of it's the pressure of having to play defense of, of, you know, the coaches just yelling at them. Well, you gotta, you gotta play in the other end. You gotta play in the other end. You gotta get the puck. You gotta do this. But part of it is they're just not very good. They gave up two goals. Boom, boom. And was, it, and like, was that your bonus imitation, by the way? Cause that wasn't very good. <laughs> no, I was just talking. Uh, but uh, the point being is, I don't know what to do with Ben Sagan X. My guess is it's Gary Onoff right now. But, you know, instead of trying to mix and match Glenn Denning with the fourth line, just let that line go. And it seems very clear they want to that, play them. And you said they're probably playing too much. Like Yanni Hockenpa is playing too much. Yeah, Sorry. but that's, that's what happens when you, when you have an injury and, and right. you're trying to – like we, that's as old as – as the sport, and certainly we've witnessed that through the years here in Dallas, where, um, and it, why would it be any difference on defense? Like, you you took Yuri Lettinen out of the lineup back in yeah. the day, and it was a mess up front. And then Yuri went back, and everybody fell back into their proper places, and it was like, oh, my God, shazam. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, agreed. Uh, you know, it's not really the role that he was brought in to play, but this is what happens within a season, and you deal with with uh, short staff uh, lineups and that, and you got to pick up pieces and, and fill in in that. But, you know, the, the thing about uh, all the good teams, every every team, and especially now when, when you have – they're going to play every second day the rest of the yeah. year. Uh, you, you have to play four lines. You have to spread minutes around. You, you just do. In, in today's NHL – you can't you can't top load and and just wear those people out. Uh, you just you can't do it um, in in uh, in full throttle complete games. I, I I don't know that you can do that anymore. 
You can't just sit there with your fourth line on the bench, whatever it is, and play them four minutes. It's going to catch up to you. Yeah. Because um, it's a very energetic game. Uh, that's why depth is is important and and production out of them. Um, and and they're they're dead right the coaches with what they say that there are expectations from certain individuals to produce offensively. Every single guy and every line needs to look the same and play the same way without the puck. They just do that. That's yeah. what good teams do. Like if if you're you're not going to be the most physical guy if you're you know Jason Robertson, but where the guys like that have supreme value without the puck is that they want the puck back and they want it back immediately. And they understand if I go back and I work my tail off to get back, get in a position where I can pop a puck off a guy and go the other direction, that's defending. More so than just dropping back yeah. into coverage, stepping into a shooting lane, uh, breaking your foot, uh, trying to block a shot. That, that's, not, that's not always defending. It is for some guys, but not for everybody. But they all have they all have to play hard without the puck, and lately they've played soft without the puck. A lot of them, and, yeah. and it's costing them. It's funny our editors at the Morning News got very mad when we used "compete" as a noun. Well, we got to have more "compete." I hate it like, too. Why well, with your like, editors? That that's not right. And I go, well, it's right in hockey, and I know what they're saying. You do have to have more "compete," and Jason Robertson has "compete." And you know, oh, and stop so, it, Mike. You're irritating I me. I know. And your editor. My my you point have an editor? Being, I used to. Now I don't. No, I Kyle's you, the editor. Yeah, I, I thought you just I can't, you just run free bareback. I can't read anymore. We call Some, you bareback hika. Somebody has to read this stuff. That's true. I read it. <laughs> I know. So I should send it to you before they put it out on the web. Well, speaking of that, okay. Um, I read your uh win win. Uh, that's what you wrote. On the Joe Pavelski re-upping extension for one year. Uh, how do you come up with the golden phrases like that, Mike? Where do you come yeah, you up know. with that stuff? How do I compare him to 74-year-old Elton John? Wait, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, did the timing of it surprise you at all? Yes. Uh, and, and I do, now again, and uh, I'm working for the company, but I truly believe this in my heart that this is a great thing. Uh, one, it shows that Joe Pavelski wants to be here um, because I think we all talked about, well, doesn't he want to go chase a cup? If this team isn't, you know, if it doesn't make the playoff, it's on the bubble, wouldn't Joe want to go chase a cup? Well, he wants to chase a cup here. I think that's a huge statement. Two, the guy's a seven, eight, nine million dollar value right now in the league with the amount mm. of points he produces, mm -hmm. and you're you're going to get him for five point five. Now, will he be that next year? I don't know, but you're not signing him for three years. Right, you're signing him for one year at potentially six million dollars, and to me, that's pretty good value for what he brings to the team in addition to making Robertson better, making Hints better, making Suter better, potentially making Sudanich and whoever, or whatever young forwards come next year better. So I'm on the driving range hitting balls and Joe and Super Nate come up uh, to do the same. And <laughs> we chat and we're chatting about Robertson and I'm mentioning, man, he, kid's going to get paid, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was coming off, you know, back-to-back -back Hatties and player of the week and all that. So I asked Joe, hey, you and the Stars talking at all about contract or anything? Because I haven't really heard anything. And I think 
there was some buzz about the Nashville Predators talking to uh, Forsberg, whether true or not, but they're trying to sign him. And he says very kind of nonchalantly, yeah, we're, we're talking some. We continue to hit balls and that. Next day, boom, one-year extension. <laughs> so I see him at morning skate Saturday before the Ranger game, and uh, he smiles. I smile. He says, uh, I knew a little more than you. And then he saunters out onto the ice <laughs> to get ready for the game. You know, that story is he's his Dallas Stars player. That's how Jim Nell likes to do his business. So if he's got a player who's happy to be the same way, he fits right into the family. I, I said, I barked back at him. I'm like, look, even if he'd have told me, I had nowhere to go with it. Right. What am I going to do with it? Tweet it out or something? like Put it on the podcast? Well, this week, that's what we're doing right now. Here, here's my breaking take. news. Breaking news. <laughs> uh, that's your job. You're the. Are you an insider or what are you? No, I just. No, you're not, a, not an insider? I, I like to observe. I'm a fly on the wall. Okay. Well, here's my take. Uh, and it, it sounds a lot like your take. You know, why wouldn't you sign your 37 year old impending UFA who has led your team in scoring for two years? Uh, and and it's a pay cut. Yeah. Who who gets away with a pay cut to the guy that leads you in scoring a couple years in a row? So bravo to both sides in getting it done. And uh, as I eloquently stated the other night, and I will again here on the Podman Rush, some of these uh, veteran players are like milk. There's an expiry date. They go sour. And some age, like wine, it gets smoother, more full-bodied, with notes of leather, licorice, and black currants. That's Joe Pavelski, man. I don't know whether he's a Cabernet or a Beaujolais or a Syrah, but he is fine wine, that man. And my final take on the matter if Robertson were to sign a bridge deal, right, instead of, uh, you know, what, what can they sign? Eight years? Yeah. The Miro contract, basically. Right. Um, so if he just signs a bridge deal, uh, and what, what are those, like two, three years? Are they two yeah. years or are they three? Eh, it depends. He's 23 now. He would definitely, you want to keep him before he could become an, a agent? UFA. Yeah. yeah. So two or three, depending on what, you know, you and the agent want to do. Okay, and just the the economics of of the league right now would lend itself to a you know he's going to have wonderful numbers he's going to get paid no matter what but it would lend you to look uh, this thing's going to clear itself better on your next contract and your next contract might start with a one you know there's a good chance it'll start with a one so uh, this. Bridge deal seems like it would be a pretty good, pretty good avenue to take. And then if that happened, you could have one of the most potent lines in the league all at around five, five, six million. Yeah. Not eight or nine each guy. And that allows management to fill and support around them instead of some of these teams that just back up the money truck to you know, three or four guys, and then it's like, oh, my God, where's the bargain uh, basement 
players that we can fill in around, and then everybody gets mad at at those guys when they don't win the game for them every night. So I think it, you know, provided that that Joe continues uh, to fend off uh, Father Time and everybody stays healthy in that, that that's that's pretty good stuff to have that line for that number. Yeah, and and the other thing I always you know I know the fans. Uh, look at the draft picks and everything. The scouts were in the press box last night. And um, I just, you look at the junior leagues and you look at some of the leading scores and you think they're in a pretty good place to add some youth to this team. And I, you know, you, you don't want to get too optimistic, but yeah, get these contracts in order, add some of these younger players who could be coming up from junior hockey. And, and you know, you, you don't have to rebuild. You, you just kind of, you know, Keep going. Um, you know, I think what Bill well, Guerin... That's, you're right. That that's what, that's what the really good teams through the years have been able to do. Uh, you know, even if you look back now, it was different because they weren't dealing with a cap, but whether it was Detroit or New Jersey or whoever, like, I always thought they were like a lawn, like a real nice manu- manicured lawn where it would grow a little bit and then... And then they would just come in and mow. And some guys would be moved along, mulched. And then a beautiful lawn would be revealed underneath. And again, for another week, you don't have to worry about things. It's yeah. just gorgeous. And a new growth comes up underneath, fills in. Still have this lush lawn. How about that? I am full of just beautiful, mind-numbing metaphors and visuals today. You were going to say, though, something about something? It, it's spring out there, Razor. You, you can see the lawn. We have sprung here. forward, Mike. Yeah, it's true. That's what we uh, do. The Patriots did a good job. Yeah, I just, I think yeah, that's yeah. important. You know, you just, yeah. you have to make hard decisions, you know, on some of your veteran players. Uh, but you can do it. You can just, you know, continue to to refresh and, and uh, reseed, as uh, Daryl likes to say. Well, I'm not sure about that, but. Uh, I'll try to uh, I'll try to move us over to a different subject with that. Well, the the goaltending depth for the Stars has receded a little bit uh, with the Anton Hadobin surgery news. Uh, been a rough go for Doby, the 2020 playoff cult hero. You know he struggled last season. He had a bad start this year. Gets waived. Isn't good. Injured. Has surgery on his hip. Uh, and it, you know, it's amazing how quickly things can change one way or the other, because three years ago, the stars had arguably the best tandem in the league. You know, they were top, what, three in goals against average. They, they went back to back years with a goaltender posting the best save percentage in the league. Uh, and now, unfortunately, when you look at it, not to get all money ish, uh, but the, you know it's it's a huge part of things now, right? With a cap, yeah. and uh, they are what do they have? Like they have over seven million dollars in goaltending unavailable in in Bishop, who had to retire unfortunately, and now Hudobin, who is in the minors and and is surgically repaired, and it's a tough one for goalies. The hip, you know, just ask Tuka Rask, his old partner out in in uh, Boston, who had to shut it down. So and and then you couple that with, at times you know Braden 
Holpe trying to deal with whatever he's dealing with. You got another $2 million off the ice in goaltending. So thank God the kid, the kid has been as good as he's been, right? For a paltry, what, 900 grand or whatever it is. Um, and, and with Adam Shield backing up now, they're both on their uh, college kids and they're on their entry levels. They have $1.8 million wrapped up in goaltending right now. That's what they had in that game last night in Toronto amazing like it's yeah, unbelievable it how quickly things can just go poof. well and and <laughs> i was joking in the press box last night that hey you think they might have to add a goaltender at the trade deadline <laughs> get their seventh goalie for the organization or whatever um but it is what it is you, you really hope Holtby's fine he practiced yesterday morning um that would be the key to it all if he's not <laughs> Uh, it's on Jake. I, I thought Jake did a really good job of bouncing back yesterday. Yeah, I uh, agreed. You know, he was probably a little deep early on, uh, but you know that was expected. I think yeah, the count- Sandine goal wasn't yeah. wasn't great, but I I just I just love him. He, he's he's got a lot of bow up in him for a young mm-hmm. guy. You know, like you can just it doesn't always it doesn't always work, and it's not always perfect, but. You know, there are a lot of guys that get opportunities at that position and crumble or fail or struggle with their their the mental part of the game. And, and uh, you know, they find themselves, they look like they're going to be a stud. They find themselves back in the American Hockey League, all that. And, and you watch him, like even, even the fact that he had given up more than five goals for the first time ever the other uh, game against the Rangers. Like just just saying that, and the amount that he's played here, and in tough circumstances, right, ahead of schedule last year, and that, uh, I think it's a pretty amazing thing uh, with him. So, yeah, and you look at other young goalies, and and they hit walls, and so far, knock on wood, he hasn't. So you know, uh, I was uh, <laughs> when you when you get, when you're at home, you always kind of just follow the same routine. When you're in the road, you kind of get tossed into a new environment, so you go do things different. So I watched morning skate ice side yesterday, and I was just struck by how big and athletic and you know quick he is. Uh, just watching him go through his drills, he he really is a great athlete. You sit there and look at him, and go, well, yeah, he is a a first round pick. Uh, and they, they did need to move up to get him because he has something special. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's just an, an odd observation. But, like, you, you watch Rope and you go, well, of course he's good. He's huge. He's, you know, 6'3", 220 or 210, and he's the fastest skater on the ice. So, yeah, he's going to be good. Well, I kind of had that revelation with Jake yesterday. He's a big, strong athlete, and, and I think that's a, a good thing. Man, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that back in my <laughs> playing day, too. You, you are a big, strong athlete. Yeah. Well, I was big. Yeah, that was about where it tapped out. The uh, You spent a lot of time kibitzing, it sounds like, in the press box last night. Uh, <laughs> real real uh, social butterfly with the uh, press up there in Canada that know all. Uh, the goalie market for the trade deadline, you know, you kidded about it, but I'm I'm always I'm always a little bit cautious about goalies and trade deadlines, you know. Like I I look at it and I'm I'm kind of like, are they are they going to have that much of an impact? Like a player, yes, but a, but a goaltender onboarded with 20 games left in the season, 
I, I, I don't know. It, 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 ha- it doesn't happen a lot. I can't think of that many times teams have, have done that. And then they're like, Oh yeah, well he's a con Smythe trophy winner. It just doesn't seem to work that way. I do know this, the team with the best goaltender on the planet has won back-to-back Stanley Cups. So the position is pretty important. You can make the argument they also potentially have the best defenseman on the planet. So it kind of works in tandem there. No, no, it doesn't. Okay, Mike. you're right. It's goalie. But I'm not going to get uh, all goalie. We went deep goalie last week. I was just going to say, I do think it is changing. Like you you didn't used to have a team using two goalies in the playoffs that much. And, and I do think in, in recent years, um, having that extra guy in a playoff series uh, can be really helpful, uh, whether that's a, from an injury or just a bad game. Yeah, but, I mean, it, and that's been truth for a while, really since about the mid aughts I would say like even when Anaheim won the cup in 07 uh they they had to have the bipolar goaler win a mm-hmm. series for them there right yep. um so it, it's it, it's important to have have some depth there I mean back in the late 90s it was one you ran with one guy yeah and if you didn't have the one guy you didn't have yeah. a chance <laughs> no it was Hostick <laughs> Broder yeah you're uh, not gonna win Eddie. Yeah, uh, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you. Yeah, if you didn't have that Cujo, guy, you weren't going to win. Run yep. through it. Yep. Um, all right. So, uh, what else do you have? You're up there. <laughs> I am up here. Uh, I got a couple um, more things here. How about this one? Or do you have something? I was just going to go on the Robertson story. I don't know if you want to touch on them. Oh my God! It, we talked so much about the Robertson brothers last night. It's such so much for well, two things and that I laugh about one that they talk about Disney ice and you know the leagues they were in in California and you're just like <laughs> that's that's how you started you know on Disney so they, ice instead of, in, in the future instead of all these outdoor games where they interview players and talk about growing up on the outdoor rinks <laughs> on the prairies of Canada it'll be hey uh did any of the Disney princesses ever come and watch you guys play and and sh- should we have a game uh, in the Magic Kingdom, an outdoor game in the Magic T- Kingdom, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? I remember uh, my dad, you know, he'd have to get up early in the morning and lay down the plexiglass in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so that part of it. I know, is, it is. It is awesome. <laughs> it really is. And, and then the fact that they talk about how Hugh basically said, look, I got to get you guys to a place where you can become great hockey players. And went to Michigan, found a place to live there, and, you know, got him into the Ontario Hockey League. I mean, it was it was a lot of work. And, and you know, and then they, I think, one, appreciate it, and two, also put in the work and right. then the uh, uh, i was gonna say the other thing is like if you're nick do you just look at jason and go well you couldn't have spared two or three inches for me <laughs> like <laughs> he is so much shorter jason is so much bigger and, and he was even telling stories about how when i think jason was eight or nine and nick was uh, six or seven they were on the same team uh, in Disney League, and uh, the parents were yelling that there's no way that kid is eight years old <laughs> about Jason. They're like, that kid, there, let, let's see his birth certificate. There is no way he's eight years old because he was so tall even back then. But just brothers and having siblings, you're just like, how in the world did the cards get shuffled that differently for two brothers? But hey, they both made it work. Well, as Walt once said, it is a small world after all, Mike. <laughs> so uh, it is. The the 
the both both of them. What I was going to say though is, yeah, there, there's stage moms and stage dads that have you know buried their kids, forcing them to play and all that in past and every sport and and obviously in in acting and in theater and that. The the thing I'm gathering from the Robertson boys is that both of them have an incredible burning desire to be really, really good that it isn't forced on them. Like they, there, there's a drive in, in both guys to be NHLers first and excellent NHLers second, and they love to score. And although Nick didn't get the height, he got the better shot. The, <laughs> you know, he can rip it. And it's a perfect time for uh, smallish players yeah. to play in the NHL. I mean, look at the brinket uh you know there's there there is no uh ceiling um or or height it's not like the rides at disneyland mike <laughs> you don't have to be a certain height to ride the roller coaster in the nhl as long as you have the acumen and and the talent uh you can you can play in the league and they're they're proving that i i looked up that it's still we should not be surprised by Jason Robertson scoring because when you, if you go back again, and I did because we were looking at OHL stats and the two brothers and, you know, when they played in, in junior hockey, in the last 198 games in the OHL, Jason scored 131 goals. So that's what he does. He's Yet. really good at doing that. And he's been phenomenal at doing that for the stars here now. And um, they trotted out the stat last night that the only guy who's hit 30 quicker was Madonna. And that was when he scored 50, the first year of the franchise in Dallas, the only 50 goal man in Dallas stars history. And, yeah. and he only did it by one game quicker than what Robertson has done it. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. And the backstory yeah. is just, it's a Disney movie. It really is. I mean, at some point in time, we're going to be watching the we're Robertson gonna, Disney Yeah, movie. we're going to jump on Netflix and it'll be the Robertson story. <laughs> it'll be fun. Uh, so, final things here. The, the, how do you see the Stars' path to the playoffs? And this is the final P-Rush before the trade deadline, so do you anticipate much? Um, Tom Holy has been very good at calming me down when I get uh, – a little anxious uh, after a few losses. Um, and, and I do think that the, the number is somewhere around 50-50, 60-40 in favor of the Stars. Tom Holy, it, for those who don't know, um, is the Dallas Stars uh, chief officer of... of uh, Everything? Placid uh, relaxation for Stars Insider dot com people is that it's his role it's a big title i think he's your boss isn't he daryl uh, yeah he might yeah i have a lot of bosses i, <laughs> I just, know you do but like if I you're do putting the people together tell me i don't know every time we watch these games on the road i i see tom holy uh taking uh cell phone video of players <laughs> i he might he might be the social media coordinator for the stars now i'm not sure He's making memories for the family. He's okay, really good. Good. Anyways, his point is, as you get caught up in points, 
you know, look at winning percentage, look at remaining schedule. Um, and, and I do believe that the opportunity is there. I mean, you just have to be better than Edmonton and Vegas. And you can't be worse than uh, the fourth best Pacific team. You have to rise above that. And then I do believe Nashville is catchable. Um, but but their path is probably to be better than the fourth best Pacific team. And that seems very doable when you look at points percentage right now. Uh, but they have to go out and do it, obviously. You know, last night would have been a great, great night to pick up some points. Um, but, I, you know, so then, like I said, you're going 50-50. Are you better than Edmonton or Vegas? Uh, you know, I think you can be, but those teams can get hot as well. Um, so it's there. It's there for them to do. Uh, the scary part is, you know, the the bottom teams are, are winning a few games here and there, and so then they push up and, and make it look harder. But... I don't know. I, I I think it's there for them to do. It's it's I I my biggest fear, and this is when I get the anxiety, is if they don't. Like if they don't, you're just like, okay, what do you do? And you know, you don't want to think that way right now. And just you know, if they make it, we will I, cross that bridge when we get there, I Michael. But throw a bag throw a bag over the the group of teams. I know Colorado one is good, and two is probably going to get better because they're they're one of the leaders in trade talk as we head into the trade talk part. Um, I, I look at their at the Dallas Stars salary cap and it's just really tight. And so yeah, I know adding adding something. The only way to do that is to move something out. Now you don't ever want to you know talk about players who are here and all that kind of stuff. But I mean the one guy who I think you could move, who I think would people would want, um, is, is Radulov. I mean, I think you saw last night it didn't work out moving him up. Uh, I don't know if they're going to give up on that for the remainder of the year. But I just look at how hard he's tried. And I think that, you know, a team like the Rangers or the Lightning could use a guy like that. Now you'd have to, you know, adjust certain things to to make the cap fit. Um, But like if you could move that money out, then you could potentially move in you know, a guy who might be able to help, you know, Jamie Benn and, and Tyler Sagan. Um, the other question, of course, is Miro's health. Um, you know, is he going to come back 100% whenever he does come back? And, you know, does that make you think you might need to add another defenseman? Because Jim Nill loves to have 10 defensemen. He's not uh, alone with that. No, I know. Uh, so those are the two two areas where I think they could try to do something. It's not going to be easy, in, in my opinion, on the cap. That's the funny thing is that, one, they have needs. Two, there are players out there who could really help them. But I just don't know how they make it work financially. So for me, the path to the playoffs is simple and clarion and doable and believable. They need 30, 31 points in the final 24 games. That's what they need. Okay. Right? Yeah. 30, 30 points gets them 97 points. 97 points, 98 points, and you're in. Yep. That's, and they were, on, they were on that pace for two months. So that certainly can repeat right. it. So it's a, it's a 625 points percentage is what that is over the last, what are we looking at, a month and a half now? Yep. And they are 580-ish, 585 for the season, but that includes the stumble bumbles early. Uh, if they if they stayed at 585 for the season, you're looking at like 27, 28 points, and then you're looking at 94 or 95 points, and teams 
miss the playoffs with 95 points. We've yeah. seen it. Uh, ask the Avs. Ask the Stars. It's happened. Uh, so it, it just, it, you know, I, I, you go down the list and you, I, I'm sure you do the same thing. I'm sure fans do the same thing. I'm, I'm sure management does the same thing. Everybody does the same thing. Yeah. You just look at this remaining schedule and you're like, okay, at Montreal, win. Vancouver at home, win. At Anaheim, at least one of those two games, they go back-to-back wins. At Seattle, you got to beat the expansion team. Not going to be easy, but you need to. Uh, you have the Islanders at home. If you don't beat them in their new home in Belmont, you certainly need to beat them at home. There's a win. Uh, new Jersey at home, win. They're rebuilding. Uh, Chicago in Chicago again. At least get a point out of it. Maybe yeah. a victory, right? Who knows what their team's going to look like by the 10th of April. Uh, then you have, you know, you have some tough ones in Tampa and Minnesota at home. Uh, then you have San Jose. You got to win that one. You go to Vancouver. You need to win that one. You didn't win last time in there. It's the first time in like a thousand games you haven't won in Vancouver. Then you have to play in Edmonton. Winnable, but man, oh man, that could be, that could be the game of the season right. uh, in Edmonton. You go into Calgary. I don't have that as a win, Mike. I don't. I didn't They're put that one well. down as a win. Uh, then you have the Kraken at home again. That's a win. You have Vegas at home. That has to be a win. Another could be right, absolute. Thing, right. My God, this is the playoffs or not the playoffs. And then you have Arizona at home. Needs to be a win. And you finish with the Ducks at home. Has to be a win. So there's a lot of wins there late. And it's it all told. Sounds like a 632-point pace right there. Whatever. It, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close, Mike. <laughs> pretty close. And... Who knows what they do? Again, I, I'm a firm believer because they've uh, they've implemented it and introduced it years ago. If they're going to give you points for losing, you need to lose well when you do lose. You can't right. lose the way they're losing right now, where you just lose. You you have to lose. You have to lose in a good way. And speaking of that, is it too early to look at regulation wins column? Well. Uh-huh. Tiebreaker. Yeah. That that is not a rosy picture if they ever get to that. That no. is not a rosy picture. Because it's the it's the caveat of being really good in overtime is that if you're tied at the end of the season in points, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't Correct. mean anything. You're and you're not gonna have enough regulation wins to win the tiebreaker. Isn't that yeah. nuts? It is, but nobody's say, gotten there though, have they? Has anybody no, gotten the, into the, the tiebreaker? I don't think so. I don't think so. And the other thing is, is I take the points. You know, as much as you want to win in oh regulation, oh my god, yes. To to them Mike, having a, an extra ten points from that they didn't have last year. Mike, this is satellite <laughs> hot stove. This is water cooler <laughs> stuff that we do on the Podman Rush. You're right. It's none a good point. It, none of it is concrete. I'm a broadcaster. You're a writer. We have zero power. <laughs> it's true. The other interesting thing, if you bring that up about the tiebreaker, is you may, for the first time, have, maybe it has happened, but under this format is have not the top eight teams make the playoffs because that third place team, uh, yeah. you know, if in yeah. the Pacific, you know, third, fourth, whatever you may yeah. do. So, Been close well, before, but there could yes. be, yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. Interesting. Yeah, well, a little hockey left. Uh, this deadline is perplexing to me, mm. just with everything. 
I'm not a huge deadline guy anyway. Uh, you know, they still pump up the shows and all that stuff, but I, it doesn't seem to have the same impact and resonance that it once did. Like, th- there were blockbuster deals at the deadline, and it took teams that were close into powerhouses, you know, like, and yet that seems to have faded. And I'm sure what you spoke of is the reason why everyone's just tight to the cap. They've never been tighter to the cap than they are now. A lot of them, uh, which makes it almost impossible to free up money in order to make deals. Yeah. Uh, No, everybody, everybody makes their move in July. The only thing, the only thing a million or two by the time the season starts. Right. Yeah, right, right. The business is done in the summer for the most part. The The thing that might change some of it, though, this year is that unlike the Western Conference, the East is just set. Like eight teams, the eight teams that are in the playoff spot are going to be the playoff teams. Yeah. So there, there's no, hey, if we go on a run here from those other, they're done. The season is done. So... If they can make deals, they would be making deals, right? And I don't well, think I don't think we've had that before, where you you have that amount of teams in one conference that are just like, not our year. We're we're retooling right. for next year. No, well, West, the other thing, West is not the, that case. The other thing you can do is even if even if you're a team that's close to the cap, you can keep the money for the player you trade and get an additional draft pick or whatever. You, you can jury it around so that, you know, you can help these teams who are hard up against a cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do think in the East, especially those bookkeepers are, are looking at everything saying, OK, what can we do to move this player, uh, keep his salary and go get some of your draft picks? Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll sneaky. see that. They're sneaky. They are sneaky. And the same things as, as you primarily for what the stars and, and Jim Neal and them face. You know, you got the Miro situation. You got Klinger uh, with an expiring cl- uh, contract. You have your goaltending situation right now, which is uh, clear as mud. Uh, and, and then you have the cap. I never even thought about uh, a guy like Alexander and that, but. Uh, you know, again, I, I said it, I was on some Toronto radio stations yesterday cause I'm a big media deal. And, uh, they, they were asking a little bit about, uh, about things. And in, in a lot of ways, I would, I would believe in the theory that, Hey, look, they, they've been a playoff looking team for months here now. Like don't, don't get all freaked out by a three game losing streak. Like look over the long haul here and what they've done and how they've played and and maybe you you sit there and you're like okay like one of the teams you're jockeying with Vegas they can't stop changing their lineup and their roster like they just can't they can't quit it they're it's transaction action for them mm-hmm. uh and some of the other teams are going to you know there was a coach firing in in Edmonton so they've they've tried to move things around try to figure things out and all that and then you have this squad down here, just kind of stay patient, stay the course and cross your fingers a little bit that some individuals are going to find their game here in the last couple of months of the season and that the kid can hold up in goal or or Holtby can, can get healthy enough to where 
you know, he can be a major, major asset and help. Uh, you know, you got all these things. So it's not the worst thing on earth if you don't do that much. You, you know, add maybe a, a little bit of depth here and there, uh, considering where you have some issues in in either illness or injury, and and then have at it and see where, where you can go. If you can get in, and if you can get in, what you can do. I wouldn't want to play him. No. I Although, agree. did you did you see Daryl Sutter's? I did. Yes. Oh my God. Is He's that so not funny? He just doesn't that, care. It was just, it was just the best. Because I mean, there are a lot of people who think it, you know, but he just blurts it out. And, just, and in this day and age, when number one seeds fall all the time, and he's just like, no, no. Here it they're is. That, I'll read it for you. They're that good. If you are a wild card team, I sure as hell don't want to play Colorado in the first round because it's going to be a waste of eight days. Daryl Sutter. <laughs> and he's the other option. His team is the other option. No, you want to play us. You know, you don't want to play Colorado. Yeah, but he's throwing a little bit of that out there. He's like, he's like, how can I put a little more pressure on the avalanche? Well, That's I'll just right. say this here and oh God, it's so good. So good. All right. So uh, Thursday is the road trip continues a meeting of the past two Stanley Cup bridesmaids. Isn't that crazy? In <laughs> it Montreal. Is crazy. It's a, it's a like, meeting. What? It's a meeting of the uh, and there're fans there again, right? Am I right? I believe so, yeah. In Quebec? Okay. Everybody good. has to wear masks, but yeah. That's fine. I don't know. We had shots of people in Toronto wearing their masks. Quote, well, in the unquote. press box, they reminded us many times. I like, you know what I liked? Uh, we caught a, a glimpse of the Jumbotron and the they state right on the Jumbotron, you get one warning. Yep. About masks. And after one warning, you're out. You're yep. gone. That's just how they roll up there. Canadians. Well, that and that center uh, red line through the logo. I mean, Oh, that. my God. Don't <laughs> even start. Like, what I, a, just, I knew you would love what that. What an absolute <laughs> sacrilege that is. You know, and especially when you have a logo like the Leafs logo with a lot of lettering on it. Right. <laughs> like, the, an original six, one of the most storied franchises in sports, and we run a, a friggin' red line right straight through the heart of of the team's emblem, and from we're fine with it. From the lifts or whatever, it now like, cut out the middle. Now, when there's when there's an outdoor game, of course, like in Hamilton, and there's a Heritage Classic where the the points count the same, and. You know, your leading goal scorer in the league can get suspended from some delinquent uh, adventure in that contest. Well, they don't need to have the red line go all the way through the Heritage Classic logo at Center Ice. They don't need it. Apparently, they can understand whether someone has iced the puck, which they never do, from dead center in the middle of the rink, uh, and they just stop the red line before the... Uh, Center face-off circle. Weird. Interesting. It is It is interesting, Mike. I find it very interesting. Well, with that, uh, Mike, uh, I am out of bon mots, uh, so I will say au revoir, mon ami. Give my I'll best. Some, I'll pick some up for you and bring them back. Give my, <laughs> no, those are bonbons. Oh, okay. Bonbons are candies. Bon mots are just what I toss out. 
Okay. That was my humor there. I, I know. Uh, well, you should work <laughs> on your humor. Anyway, to all of you out there, bon chance and uh, à bientôt from Je suis Daryl. Bye, Mike. See ya. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official NHL app today.